0: Welcome to the second episode of Sister Sustainability. We are June and Annika, and in this podcast we talk about the three pillars of sustainability. Economic, social and environmental. These three aspects are all combined within the Circular Center. Short CC, which is a social enterprise based in the Swedish city of Jönköping.
1: Before we hop into today's topic, a short introduction to the CC. The CC helps foreign born women on their journey towards integration into the Swedish work life and society by offering job training. At the moment, the women upcycle donated fabric to create a variety of new clothes and accessories that are then sold in the small shop. They also make and sell vegetarian lunch and pastries for the cafe and catering and offer cleaning services to local companies and private users.
0: We hope you enjoyed last week's episode about female empowerment. Today's topic is economic sustainability and circular economy.
1: Our two guests are Gino Lanonet, a voluntary board member of the CC, who teaches at the Yönköping International Business School, and Aline Givkou, who works as an economics manager at the CC and as a business developer at the study organization (laughs) Bilda. The first interview you will hear was conducted by me, Annika, via video call. Genola is not only an assistant professor of business administration at Jönköping University, but also the chairperson of the Jönköping University Sustainability Network. She told me why she is passionate about incorporating sustainability into her work and her lifestyle, and how every individual can contribute to fighting the climate crisis. Let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Genola. You are very involved in sustainable development in the city of Jönköping, be it in academia or in other fields of society. Can you please summarize for our listeners who you are and what you do?
2: Yeah, sure. Who I am? Well, I'm a Western uh, woman born in France, uh, the mother of two children who are eight and a half and five and a half. And I'm someone who cares. I care for myself, for other people, for their well-being, fairness, justice, and for our planet. And I think I care ultimately for our children to have at least the same high quality of life as we had, if not better. Yeah, that's great. That sounds like a really personal motivation
1: for the work you're doing and for everything you're involved in. So you've been a voluntary board member of the Circular Center for about two years now, pretty much from the beginning, right? How did you get involved in that project?
2: Yes, it was from the beginning. What happened was that we organized a session at uh, Yönchöping University to uh, work on a different leaders and managers project and to help them take their projects, so projects related to social and or environmental sustainability, and to help them take the
1: next step. And how do you think your background in academia, specifically in the field of economics, helped you in the past with the work you're doing with the Circular Centre?
2: Well, I don't know if this is what helped me most. One thing that would help me a lot would be if I would speak Swedish. That would be wonderful. And even Arabic, then I could really interact more with um, some of the women who are there. Well, the Swedish is a work in progress. Mariana has uh, often said that she's been inspired and she's inspired with ideas and suggestions that I bring.
1: Mariana Morosano is the co-founder of the Circular Center, whom we interviewed in our very first episode.
2: And for sure, I'm looking at Circular Center, and recently she asked for the next step that Circular Center should take, and I think they are wonderful to help decrease our carbon footprint, to create also more awareness and education for uh, refugees and people who are not informed so much about what they can do and maybe accelerate urban farming and, yeah, different ways uh, that have a positive impact. It's my background as an educator that influenced me in uh, seeing the need to educate more people. So you
1: said you have a meeting with Aline and Mariana after this interview with me. Um, does that mean you are having weekly meetings or very regular meetings with people from the Circular Center to consult them and to plan the next steps? What does your work with the Circular Center involve?
2: Yeah, I'm a voluntary board member. I contribute to, to Circular Center in that way. And then the specific work that we do with um, Aline, Sofia, and Hannah is regarding um, a European grant.
1: Sophia and Hannah are students of sustainable enterprise development who work at the Circular Centre
2: as business developers. That was received by Circular Centre about the, the inclusion of refugees, inclusion in the working environment and inclusion in the community in Sweden. And there I uh, work with them to uh, facilitate the project from a researcher perspective, since we're expected to, um, well, create workshops and also guidelines and trainings that would be inspiring for other European partners to integrate refugees in the workforce.
1: So your main work is that you are a professor at GIPS, the yuncheping International Business School. And as far as I saw, your research topics are a lot about, well, sustainable economics as a very broad term, sustainable management, responsible management.
2: Uh, Yes, I'm looking at the transition of higher education and how higher education, universities, business schools, schools of engineering, all schools can help transition to a safe operating space to remain below 1.5 degree increase because this is the situation at the moment We are in a climate crisis, and uh, we have already uh, increased uh, average temperature by one degree. And if we don't do anything, we will increase it by at least three degrees, which will have dreadful consequences. So um, yeah, I'm working in research to see how can we um, have a low carbon emitting organization? How can we create a transition to move away from this infinite growth? Uh, which I think um, is part of your questions as well to include our planet we live on and to cl- include us because ultimately it's a matter of our survival. So
1: yeah, the question you were talking about, which we send you beforehand, is if you think economic growth and climate change mitigation can go hand in hand. What is your
2: opinion? The short answer is no, it -hmm. cannot go hand in hand. And at the same time, it can. But then economic growth as it is now, no. This is what has brought us in this climate crisis. And this is actually why we're in a pandemic. Environmental scientists have been warning us for decades that there will be more zoonotic disease, more pandemics due to different factors, but it's basically us destroying the environment and natural habitats. It's us bringing natural life and wildlife to the cities and expanding cities. We've created a very unhealthy system where we have millions of people dying from air pollution every year, where we have people who are in extreme poverty when um, a pandemic uh, hits us, and infinite growth is impossible. For the simple reason that we have only one home, one planet. So we cannot continue pretending that we have infinite forests, that we have infinite water, and that we have infinite field of food. We have to realize that we live on one planet, the only planet known in our ecosystem that has this perfect balance of life, and we're destroying it. At the moment, we are in the sixth uh, massive biodiversity extinction. This has been accelerating since the 70s, the 80s. We've been losing most of our wildlife, our mammals, etc., for the sake of infinite growth. Mm -hmm.
1: I was thinking that my sister is studying economics, actually, in Germany. And in her economics teaching, sustainability was not really a big part of her whole bachelor's, which is three years long. So, I'm wondering how you manage to integrate sustainability and specifically the SDGs of the United Nations into your teaching at GIPS. How can we transform maybe also the whole academic
2: field of economics? Well, that's not something I can answer alone. We need collaboration at all levels because those questions are so complex that we need to do it together, and unless we do it together, we will basically not make it. We have to get out of this competition to move towards collaboration. Transforming classes, transforming programs requires getting feedback from our students, talking to the companies who will hire them, to the government, to scientists, and this is how education programs should be designed by really interacting with all the stakeholders who are impacted. That's about collaboration.
1: Yeah, that's very important indeed. Let's take a little trip back in time. You're a mother of two kids, and what drew you to sustainability issues in the first place? Was that when you became a mother and you realized, oh, my kids are not going to
2: live on a healthy planet? Or was that long before that? Before going to Rotterdam School of Management, where I did my bachelor and my master, I worked. And when I was working in the private sector, I uh, was saddened by the fact that uh, the motivation was mostly based on making more money, increasing our uh, financial return on any type of investment and motivating people to make more money. I'm a passionate person, I moved from my heart, from my soul, and simply making money is not enough for me. So then I went to Rotterdam School of Management thinking that I would learn more, you know, and back then we were not talking about sustainable development and the sustainable development goals. Everything that I learned was about fast return on investment in Finicos until finally I registered for a master that was different, with a wonderful professor's... Gail Whiteman took us to a botanical garden and she gave us questions that we had to ask to each other's students. In the question, they were, how often do you spend time outdoor? When was the last time you went to a farm? When was the last time you walked in the forest? Have you ever grown food in your life? Very practical and action-oriented question. And then I realized, I don't spend so much time. I thought I did, but I don't, you know? Basically, how connected are you with nature? So then I started spending more time, and then I started reading more for some student assignment. I saw how, since the beginning of industrialization, all curves have been increasing. Yes, our consumption of oil, our consumption of coal, we have also increased access to health and medicine and access to education until a certain point, and now we're reaching the tipping point, so we are in the reverse situation. We have also increased temperatures. We have also increased depleted waters, you know, depleted (laughs) landfills. I don't know if I cried, but then I felt sad, angry. And then I realized that we need to do something. But it took me several years to get to the point now where I am really prioritizing our role on our unique planet. And the well-being of people is very important. But there is an emergency to realize our impact for our own sake, basically. And so, yes, there was an acceleration also with the fact that I have children and that I started to realize that I don't sleep well at night because I wonder about my legacy. And then I don't want to get people depressed because the facts are really depressing. So the idea is also to look at what can we do, you know? How can we innovate? How can we collaborate? What can I do at home, you know? What can I change in my food, my behavior? What can change at work?
1: You already mentioned that you went to the Rotterdam Business School and then you did your PhD in the French city of Montpellier. You also worked in the U.S. as a lecturer for some time, and now you are in Sweden as a professor. Do you have the impression that it's easier to make radical changes, maybe in the Swedish system, than in other countries? No,
2: not necessarily. Every culture is different. During my time in Florida, I uh, had the opportunity to really experiment what does it mean, like the American spirit. And when Americans really feel the importance of doing something it doesn't matter if they have the time if it's voluntary or what they reach really hands in hands and then they get moving and this is really something that i had never experienced in europe i think europe which is a more socialist continent i've read about that actually the fact that we are in sweden in france a bit spoon fed by our governments Makes us a bit passive compared to a culture like the American culture, where you're on your own and they know it. The government is not going to take care of them. And because of that, what you see in the movies, you know, these people joining hands and creating NGOs or giving monies. I experienced it. At some point, our university was downsizing, and there was a call from our president for us to give money. And people were giving money to their own employer. Well, that's not something we're going to see in Sweden or in France. Then I've lived in the Netherlands. And the Dutch culture is extremely efficient and with a very flat hierarchy. So um, it's actually very action-oriented and very easy to take steps and innovate in the Netherlands. I would say that France and Sweden are more difficult because they are way more bureaucratic than the other country where I had the chance to live. I have also lived, by the way, in Singapore as a bachelor student. I guess I would have not traveled that much if I would have known back then about my own carbon footprint, but it was a life opportunity and I definitely learned a lot from it. And Singapore, although it's also very protected by its government, it's very young very entrepreneurial, people also easily create entrepreneurial projects. Then I think in Sweden, any action takes more time to be developed, but when it's developed, everyone is into it, which is what is described as this consensus. But also there is a lot of communication and participatory engagement. This can sometimes lead to nothing, which can be very frustrating, but it can also lead to great things because it's a 10 million people country. So things can also change fast if they all decide to do it. And now there is an acceleration in Sweden. So I'm actually very hopeful Sweden will transform really fast. I didn't say anything about my country, but I have noticed if you compare two bureaucratic countries with each other, that French people are more used to just take the lead bottom up when it's just for the sake of being angry against our government. We're very good at that in France and it can sometimes lead to nothing, but it can also lead to really massive movement and an outcry from the population, which is sometimes necessary to... um, be critical thinker against our governments and this is something I like about the French culture but sometimes it's too much and so I think a good balance between uh, following the government like it's done in Sweden or opposing the government like it's done in France a good balance is interesting yeah mm. maybe the Netherlands is the best place <laughs>
1: now we come towards the end of this interview. So I would like to have some maybe recommendations or inspiration from you, what you would like to tell our listeners, maybe what books can they read, what movies can they watch, or even what immediate actions can everybody take at home?
2: I would recommend to watch Kiss the Ground on Netflix. It's really nicely done, and it's talking about the impact of our food system, what we eat, and how it's grown. I think as individuals, it's very inspiring to learn about what we eat first. Is it healthy for me, for the earth? Well, usually it's not. You also see um, farmers and people involved into doing it differently. And then I like the podcast Outreach Plus Optimism. They give facts, but they also give optimism. And that's also what I want to give. We can do a lot. And each person, each voice matters. Just take it from you. So if you like to raise your voice, start a petition, write to your leaders, write to your municipality, tell them what is important to you, write to the media. Why aren't we hearing much or anything in the media about the fact that COVID-19 is completely correlated to the fact that we're in a climate crisis. So create a blog, create awareness, grow plants with your neighbors. I mean, now it's snowing in Sweden, so it's a bit hard, but inside your house. Another very inspiring thing is we forget to breathe, which is something that keeps us healthy. And if we are healthy, then we will be creative and inspired to do more and talk with other people, collaborate. Maybe we can start some actions together, you know, with a few people we like. Where I live, now we will have some um, big boxes to grow food outside, but that's because we started talking about it and the fact that we had so much grass and we could use it for something else and make it fun because it can be easily depressing and frustrating. Yeah, and I would say anyone is welcome to ask in Shopping University to give conferences, pitches, to organize workshops. It's our role. It's what we like. It's also our duty to
1: serve our community. Thank you for this very nice conclusion and call to action. And I think it will be very interesting and inspiring to our listeners. Thanks, Annika.
2: Thank
0: you. Next, we'll focus a bit more on the Circular Centre and its special approach to sustainable development through an interview with Alan Jivko. I had the chance to meet him in person to talk about his view on sustainable economics and the work of the CC. With his educational background in economics and passion for helping others, he's been involved and supporting this organisation since the beginning. I'm here today with Alin. Please introduce yourself to our listeners.
3: Uh, My name is Alin. I come from Romania. I've moved to Sweden in 2014 to continue my studies. I have a background in political sciences. I've studied in Romania, both at a bachelor and a master's level. And then I wanted to continue my studies, and that's what I thought Sweden would be a good destination for me. Uh, And I studied economics here at uh, the university in Jönköping. Uh, afterwards, I started looking for uh, real-life experiences and not mostly volunteering what I did before that. So now I'm uh, working at Circular Center, but I'm also working at Bilda, Verbund, a study uh, organization. And that's, I believe, what brought me here today to speak about Circular Center.
0: So you have a background in economics and political studies. How did your interest of sustainability come about?
3: I was always interested in uh, the social aspects in our society, be it locally uh, when I was in Romania, again locally here, be it in Sweden. I was also interested in uh, manifest change in terms of social and uh, public policies. The road that I took studying uh, politics, studying diplomacy maybe got me more and more interested in what the future holds, not just for me, but for us all as a society. Uh, Social responsibility, economic responsibility, sustainability in general terms should be the focus of our generation, but as well as the focus for future generations because it's building up sustainability as a definition is leaving something for the future. Uh, So that there are less and less problems and finding maybe more solutions than we have today.
0: How did you get to know the Circular Centre and how did you get involved with the Circular Centre?
3: As you know, Circular Centre started in 2019, officially. I have been involved from the beginning. For a specific period of time I was volunteering there, as many people that were involved from the beginning. Um, then we helped actually Circular Center build up uh, and uh, the whole purpose of Circular Center was helping other people so of course by helping others we helped ourselves and uh, with some patience and some extra work I got employed at Circular Center I'm working there part-time mostly responsible for the economic part given that that is my background but of course I'm helping with everything I can, um, volunteering was a special interest for me during my development as a student uh, but also as a human being and I'm helping as much as I can uh, the others, uh, the women especially that are there, but mostly it's the economic part, making sure the financial aspects look good.
0: What do you think makes the business plan of Circular Centre so special? Uh,
3: the if I could call it a business proposition, but the, the proposition, the idea of Circular Center from the beginning was quite unique. And I still believe that it, what Circular Center has to offer and the ideas that we, we try to promote are different because it's packaged in a way that promotes sustainability on all three pillars of sustainability. It's not just social, it's also environmental and it's also economic. And I think not that many businesses were at least businesses companies with history have not managed to get so close to promoting sustainability as a whole package of course the issues of corporate social responsibility are being brought up mainly daily on at every company but talking about it is not the same thing as doing something about it so that's what circular center offers actually daily It offers this idea of sustainability on all the three levels um, because that's what we do. That's what Circular Centre does.
0: And more on a concrete level, how does it work? You get the material in the sewing workshop and then these products get resold and that is how the circular economy works. Is that right?
3: Mm. We, from the beginning, we had circular partners which wanted from the get-go to adhere to this idea of circularity and circular economy. And if we're talking about uh, products that are created, the new products that are created in the sewing uh, workshop, it's mostly through a partnership that we have with uh, IKEA. It's uh, them who provide us with different materials uh, that we can no longer sell in the condition that are giving to us but the idea is to reuse them. So re, uh, reuse those products and the new products could help to a circular economy and this uh, uh, proposition of circularity in reusing materials. And the same it goes not, not just for maybe a large company as IKEA but also local uh, actors such as secondhand shops Given the circumstances, they do not maybe work as much uh, now, so they considered helping us by providing maybe some a lot of jeans or different materials that are no longer usable. And that's how we reintroduce those, uh, those products in the market. And then, of course, we, we try to sell these new products, and the whole purpose is that we then use the profits to help even more women either by employing them or providing internships uh, and so on.
0: The Circular Center, as we heard in last episode from Mariana, has worked from the beginning with what they have. So they use the material and skills that are given to them. And this must have been very useful in the pandemic as you have to adjust and make things work with what you do have. And this goes hand in hand with what sustainability is about, which makes it very interesting to see how the circular center is handling COVID.
3: Yes, yes, adjustment. Adjustment to the situation was a key word, of course. And uh, even if the uh, COVID-19 constraints in terms of gatherings physically, we try to find a solution in maybe providing catering services, uh, providing uh, the possibility to take away food instead of coming uh, at our place and serving them at a table. All the partners that we had before COVID-19 knew about these changes and they managed to adjust uh, to our new proposition. So these services of providing, uh, so catering services to different events were still available uh, although they weren't that many as before. But again, uh, the local actors, the university, uh, science park, uh, the municipality continued to uh, contact us in case they needed our services, and we tried to provide them to the best in the best way we could. The ideas that the women came with helped us move on and uh, yeah create new ways of uh, getting in touch maybe with clients, with new customers, with more and more people that could be part of the sustainable network that we try to promote here in Yönchöping.
0: In your introduction, you told us that you worked for Bilda as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about that organization?
3: Sure. Bilda is a study association that focuses on non-formal adult education through study groups meetings uh, lectures in different aspects or interests that people might have it's mainly focused on faith uh, religion culture any types of cultural events or cultural aspects be it music uh, literature poetry but the focus that not just bilda but the society has brought in the past years is more of the discussions and speaking about societal problems the most pressing issues that we face as a society so bilda offers this possibility to gather freely the purpose is that it should be done on a volunteer basis it's something that people should want to do and gather and speak about this. It's more about human interaction. It's about exchanging of ideas, of beliefs, of knowledge, so that the whole group and not just one person could benefit from from these discussions. So Bildas' purpose is to be a platform with uh, resources, with uh, people that can help out to gather people.
0: What a great organization! And I was so happy when I heard that. The circular center also has a cooperation with bilda how does their collaboration work
3: bilda helped circular center from the beginning it was one of the strongest partners that circular center had uh, when starting and through bilda circular center had the possibility to be such a venue for social gatherings for possibilities and opportunities for people to meet and uh, exchange knowledge uh, we had Swedish classes for the women that were on job training uh, with people that had prior experience, uh, maybe as teachers, which were then uh, retired. So the possibilities for study circles were available from the beginning through Bilda. We had study circles that were related even to sustainability. We were speaking about slow fashion, about using the resources that we had by having study circles uh, in the sewing workshop so that people that came from outside of Circular Center could come in and learn how to use a sewing machine. Uh, they could learn how to even repair their own clothes and maybe develop maybe a new hobby, not not just as a service. But mostly it was, uh, Circular Center was a place where people could feel safe, could feel good uh, by meeting other people and then Bilda could come in and uh, help organize and uh, provide maybe material, study material uh, to achieve that goal of helping people by teaching and learning.
0: We've already been talking for quite some time, so let's finish this up with one last question. What is your tip for small or middle-sized businesses for reaching a circular economy?
3: The goal of uh, being sustainable is not easy to achieve. And especially during these times, small and medium-sized businesses, enterprises, find it more difficult to be alive. And then it would take a considerable effort to continue pushing sustainability as the end goal. And even more so trying to achieve all three levels of sustainability could be even harder. But I believe that if focusing on the right path, if they started already being on, on the path of sustainability, it's not a path that goes to failure. It's it's what the future generations need. It's what everyone tries to promote. So even though these uh, Times that we live in are seemingly difficult to promote sustainability, I believe that not just people as a community, but as well as bigger actors and locally, uh, nationally, are aware of the difficulties and will try to help out and help bring forth this sustainable business proposal or the sustainability uh, goal, even for those who are not that lucky during these times. The small actors are the ones that could help sustainability be a reality uh, in the near future. The times where decision makers uh, and influencers were only the big actors, the big names have gone, and now I believe it's more the ability of small actors, the ones that are finding solutions in difficult times, and especially promoting sustainability it's these actors that will eventually change uh, the situation the status quo of what sustainability as a goal could bring to the society as a whole.
0: Thank you so much Alin for joining us today and for all your great knowledge and inspiration. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sister Sustainability. We hope you got some encouragement to strive for sustainable development. May it be on individual level, in your community, or as a business. Follow us on your favorite
1: streaming platform in order not to miss the next episode. You can also find the Circular Center on Instagram and Facebook. Stay tuned!